It's the Y'all Show. Talk with a southern accent as we continue from the Palmetto State. This will be our last day. We're going to start working our way westward on the Friday show. We'll be broadcasting from Mississippi, so look out, Mississippi. In fact, speaking of the Magnolia State, we've got some kind of earth-shattering news, believe it or not, in November. It's been snowing in Mississippi, so we'll tell you a little bit where that's located, and will I have to bring my snow shovel when I go west this week, so we'll have info on that. This is the Y'all Show with John Rawl. I'm joined today by Jim Waddill as we are in the beautiful and lovely town of Chapin, South Carolina, not far from Columbia. We'll be going to Columbia later in the show as I'll be going to visit with Tyler Garrett of the Carolina Crow Line, and we'll spend the back half of hour two talking about the South Carolina Fighting Gamecocks and our SEC spotlight that we have each and every Thursday. And Tyler's going to have the floor and tell us all about the Gamecocks who need one more win to become bowl eligible. They've got the Chattanooga Mocs coming into Columbia this weekend. So we'll have plenty of Carolina football talk in hour two. We're going to talk about some books in hour two as well with Mr. Jimmy. So we'll have all that coming your way. Here in hour one, we've got headlines. We have a look around what's going on in the South. And then we're going to talk to Jim about his... Well, his unique title. Jim, <laughs> welcome aboard. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure being on y'all. Yes, Jim and I go way back in radio and in life, and he is the representative of y'all each and every day. He wears our beautiful y'all hats all around the southeast. People stop and talk to him. I just witnessed it today <laughs> at a restaurant. I'm like, I like that hat. And, of course, <laughs> you can go to y'all.com and get your own y'all hat. They're really cool and really sexy, as they always look good on Jim Waddell. So thank you for, for being our model. Well, thank you for the opportunity, John. I, I appreciate your creation of the y'all cap. And I can sell a trunk load a day around here. Yeah. Well, I said you had a title, and the title is not the supermodel for y'all. You are, uh, your title is, you are bistatual. That, that is correct. And that would mean you have a home in South Carolina and you have a home in North Carolina and you kind of bounce between the two of them. Yes, as a matter of fact, um, being a bi-statesful man, I have um, six restrooms combined in those two locations that I have access to. That's great. What's the breakdown? How many, who's winning the race? Is North Carolina got more than South Carolina? Um, with our addition that's ongoing in North Carolina, they'll be even, yeah. uh, uh, three and three. Wow. Yes. Now you live just outside of Columbia and Chapin on near Lake Murray, which is a wow. lovely place in South, in the middle part of South Carolina and your home in North Carolina is in the Western North Carolina mountains in a place called Maggie Valley. Right. And later this hour, we're going to get Jim to talk about Western North Carolina, some of the sights and sounds, beautiful part of the country. And I want to learn more about what he has to say. I went and stayed with Jim last summer for a few days and had a great time. But I also want you to brag about South Carolina stuff, too. You don't mind? Oh, no, no. I'm I'm a native South Carolinian. Really? I never would have guessed with that accent. Yes, it was, uh, <laughs> it was later in life that I became bistatual. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we got to believe in diversity. Yeah. And I believe in diversity here on the Y'all Show. And it's perfectly okay for us to accept your bistatualness. Okay, well. Your bistatuality, I should say. Yeah, I, I hope that I, the U.S. Congress accepts my bi- bistatualism. Well, 
Well, we're going to talk about Maggie Valley, Waynesboro, right? Waynesville. Waynesville. I get that confused every time. Waynesville. Uh, it's, hey, yes, the county seat of Haywood County. All right. We'll talk about yeah. that and some of the other places up there like Cullowee and yep. Franklin, North Carolina is not far from there. Yes, and, and we have a fun story coming from North Carolina later that I'm going to ask you if you know where it's located in our headline. So we'll talk about some places some places to go. And, Jim, we're going to learn more about you and your background. As I said, yeah. you are one heck of a broadcaster. Mm. But, unfortunately, it was you kind of like Colonel Sanders. It was a little bit later in life when you realized you had the gift of gab. Unfortunately, prior to that, you had a, a long career in the banking world. Yeah, that's right. It was um, – it was 2000, March of 2008, before I realized how sexy my voice was. <laughs> <laughs> when I was invited to be, become a part of Siddle Gray Line. That's right. That's a show Jim and I <laughs> hosted for many, many years, and still uh, pay, occasionally the two of us show up on that show, including this week. If you're a fan uh, of the Citadel Bulldogs who take on the number one Alabama Crimson Tide this weekend, and mm. yours truly, John Raw, will be at Bryant Denny. I know y'all are probably tired of hearing me say this. But I will be going there with my son, and we're going to have a good time rooting the Bulldogs to the biggest upset in the history of college football this weekend. And we'll be here to tell you all about it come Monday. But Jim and I both graduated from the Citadel, so we're proud Citadel men. And, and, uh, but uh, we have much more than that to talk about here on today's show. If you want to reach us here, believe it or not, Jim, we have a local phone number just wow. for you. Our phone number at the Y'all Show is 803-816-1170. And that doesn't cost anything. You can call that number, call it, or text it, and Jim will be standing by to get your complaint. Absolutely. I'm ready, able, and willing. Yes, you love complaints. Yes. Huh. I've, I've had a number throughout my life, <laughs> but um, I'm still um, able to take them on. That's right. Well, Jim, let's look at what's going on around the country, and feel free to, to say something if you want to get it off your chest. Governor Rick Scott has recused himself from certifying results in his own race in the state of Florida. Of course, Florida and Georgia both still questions about what the world's going on with the election totals. I know you are a rabid follower of news. Anything you want to say about what's going on with these recounts and such? Well, there's probably a lot of fraud involved. Really? So, well, so far they haven't been able to prove any. So who am I to say there's fraud going on? But... Um, I, you know, I, I smell a rat somewhere in the process. Um, um, that election, uh, head of that election commission in Broward County for starts absolutely needs to go. I know that Governor Jeb Bush put her in after they had another um, loser down there in charge that was um, um, accused of some fraudulent activities. But anyhow, she needs to go for sure, and I think there are enough lawsuits uh, in process right now that after the recount, she probably will resign or retire, whatever the word is. Scott sent a tweet out on Wednesday saying, quote, I recuse myself from certifying results on the Elections Canvassing Commission in 2014, and I will do so again this year. This is nothing new. Bill Nelson is confused and doesn't even know how Florida works. I have no role in supervising, overseeing the ongoing recount process. So once again, Florida in the news for the recount. And we're in the same counties that the 2000 presidential election had problems with too, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So problems there. Problems also in Georgia. 
And we have some news from that state as they also have a lingering race. And the latest on that, 159 counties of Georgia have certified their elections result, but there's one county that remains, and that is Gwinnett County, which is a pretty big county just to the northeast of Fulton County in the state capital of Atlanta. The deadline for counties to certify their results was 5 p.m. on Tuesday, but Gwinnett County said in an email that they've not certified their results. So we'll find out what happens there, but again, just like Florida, Georgia also having issues with their count. We saw uh, earlier this week a couple of state legislators being arrested at the state capitol for protesting. An ugly situation. That doesn't happen here in the Carolinas, does it? People know how to count, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, Diane and I used to be uh, chair folks of the um, Whitehall, uh, Whitehall, uh, Whitehall subdivision um, uh, precinct. So, um what kind of training is involved with something like that? Uh, it was in Lexington County, of course, and uh, every year they had a elaborate training session set up. As a matter of fact, they used to have it in the, the new Lexington High School. And um, the elections um, commission head for Lexington County would would go in with, um, you know, prepared slides and, and get up on the stage and um, speak through a PA system and and all of us who were going to work the precinct, such as Diane and I, which we did for 10 years, would sit in the audience and, and take notes and and um, get all the instructions plus some that we needed for the upcoming election. So so we did that for 10 years in the Whitehall precinct of Lexington County. Now, you live in an area that was predominantly Republican, uh, or even if it wasn't, if it, it was pr- predominantly one-party led but did you have my question is did you have representatives from that other party kind of looking over your shoulder to make sure things were fair no not really we we had to enforce the um you know the regulations in so far as um you know how close they could get to the actual precinct as far as holding up signs and you know solicitations and things of that nature um, we had to, we had to be on the, on the lookout for people who were violating regulations, but we knew the regulations and we enforced the regulations. Wow. Well, oddly enough, this is getting away from politics in that same County of Broward County, Florida, the sheriff's office there has uh, released a statement. Nicholas Cruz, the man wanted for the parkland shootings. Uh, he evidently has attacked an officer inside the jail there in Broward County, Florida. The officer was hurt, but there's no information on how severe the injuries are. Cruz has been charged with aggravated assault and battery on the officer and use of a chemical or electrical weapon on an officer, according to the NBC affiliate in Miami. Cruz is the man accused of shooting and killing 17 people at Stoneman Douglas High School back in February. And another case of a, a prisoner behind bars and just a bad guy. How do we get uh, these bad guys off the street, Jim? I don't know with the um, cushy politics involved in some of the law enforcement right now and the back and forth between the Democrats and Republicans. It, it ain't easy, but um, it, it happens way too often, which goes without saying. And um, somehow or another, we, I mean, every day you, every day we turn on the local news <clears throat> in the greater Columbia area. Um, 
or the obviously the national news it seems like every day the major well i only look at one network maybe i shouldn't say that over the air but the, the network the y'all network <laughs> well yeah we look at the y'all network but uh, every day it seems like um half the time is consumed by killings and oh yeah which and, is honestly jim it's one of the reasons i started this show yeah. uh, and i don't like talking about somebody robbed somebody for a dollar or two or Somebody got jealous and killed somebody or took their kids. That's all over the news in every community of our country, sadly. Yeah. This show, unless, and, and I hate to say it, we will talk about murders, but uh, frankly, to be newsworthy for the Y'all Show, it needs to be really, really newsworthy, meaning like several people were killed. Because honestly, if we did just murders, we, that's all yeah. we would be able to cover here because right. there's murders everywhere. And all kinds of other horrible crimes that go on in the South. We're looking for stories that are newsworthy for oftentimes good reasons, and yeah. that's what that's what we like to hear. Now, this is a story coming from Tennessee, newsworthy, not necessarily good news, but at least one person has died in the Volunteer State from the recent hepatitis A outbreak. Mm. The Tennessee Department of Health has confirmed more than 400 cases of the illness in Tennessee which is most heavily affecting Nashville and Chattanooga. Hepatitis A. Do you know anything about that, Dr. Waddell? Well, um, no, except that it's, um, except that it's a killer. Um, uh, yeah, I guess, um, I guess whenever a, a case of it is detected, then uh, there's a lot of quarantining and, mm-hmm. and, and that type, type thing going on. But uh, you don't hear about it. Too often, but then again, usually when you do, it's, um, it becomes widespread. Hepatitis A is usually transmitted from one person to another through contact with contaminated feces or the consumption of contaminated food or water. Officials are urging anyone in the high-risk population to get vaccinated to help prevent the spread of the disease. So far, 36,000 vaccinations have been provided in Tennessee Other steps to prevent infection include washing your hands with soap and water after using the bathroom and also eating before eating and before preparing or serving food. You wash your hands a good bit, Jim? Uh, Yes, do, as a matter of fact. Okay, I'm about to go wash my hands right now (laughs) after reading this. But it's no no joking matter, hepatitis A outbreak. And if if it can happen in Tennessee, it can happen anywhere in the country, frankly, and let's keep our eyes out there. And remember to wash your hands. It is amazing how how many people... do not wash their hands, even right. when they go to the restroom. Yeah. You see the, you see these signs, of course, in restaurants where employees must wash their hands. Yeah. After. yeah. And uh, you you wonder how, you know, if you were a fly on the wall, you, you, you could wonder sometimes how many actually do that. Yeah. And then, of course, they leave there and... Um, and dry the hands off on the side of their pants on the way back to the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't even dry the hands because I I wonder if some of them some of them may actually well, even wash their hands. I saw something the other day that says those <laughs> those dryers in the in the restrooms like you yep. find at McDonald's that only blow air. Those are bad because they blow out contaminated air. Oh, really? That's what I was told. Oh. so Jim, I don't know what to do. Well, those those accelerate. I think they call them. Uh, uh, dryers and bathrooms nowadays those things could um could fly a boeing 747 <laughs> they've got so much power yep. i practically have to hold on to the door to stand up while those things in operation and i'm sure there's plenty of kids out there like my youngster who are scared of those things yeah i mean especially little kids 
the, the yeah. sound, the, the pressure of the air, it really freaks them out. Yeah. I long for the days where you could just rip a paper towel out of the wall. Yeah. Yeah, I prefer the old paper paper towel days. And sometimes, of course, they, um, they have a stack over in the corner that's been used by two or three <laughs> other, other people. They don't even have it up in the dispenser. And you go over there, and the, the first two sheets on there are wet. Uh, so you very carefully go to the third sheet. <laughs> I went into uh, a restaurant the other day. I'm not going to say who it is because I frankly can't remember which one it was. But the soap dispenser, of mm-hmm. which you push to get soap on your hand, it was literally laying in the sink. I think it had fell off the wall. Yeah. But I was like, golly, where does the soap? And then it was in the sink, and I still used it. Because yeah. I, I hate, I, I have to have clean hands. Right. I have to have clean hands. It's one of my there's, pet peeves. There's no excuse not having clean so hands. So you could, you could lick my hand right now and not get hepatitis A. <laughs> That's right. I, I have no fear whatsoever, yeah, John. Yeah, uh, Even though I'm not going to lick your hand, I don't have any fear. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of lick, you like snow cream? Snow cream? Yes. I'm not even sure I know what snow cream You've is. You've never made snow cream? It, it's something oh, you mean like like uh, snow, natural snow, and make it into an ice cream? Yes. You ever I've, heard, I've heard of that. You but use I've like never... vanilla extract. And, yeah. Um, it's something... Yeah, hey, I've heard of it. I've never done it. All right. Well, in Mississippi this week, mm. on Wednesday, as well as other states in the south, you could have done that. It would have been tough in Mississippi. As oh. light snow fell in the Magnolia State as lingering participation mixed with cold temperatures Sent the deep south into a little bit of a freeze, and you saw snow stopping vehicles in the western portions of Mississippi, the Mississippi Delta town of Greenville. The Mississippi River Bridge turned white. Mm. Probably a pretty sight there. The low temps dipped down into the 20s, and forecasters said the chilly weather will spread. And I'm heading that way, so I'm looking forward to going to Mississippi. I just don't want to have to have my snowshoes on. Yeah, that's right. That's unusual. I tell you, 2018 has been an unusual year weather-wise. Yeah. Uh, heavy spring, summer rains, and then, of course, comes the, the hurricane, Florence, and um, Michael. Michael in particular, that devastated the, the southeast and, I guess, maybe, well, the um, the Atlantic coast and uh, even on up into um, New York, Pennsylvania, New York, and New England. Yep. This is the Y'all Show. We're talking with Jim Waddell as we broadcast from just outside of Columbia, South Carolina, here on our final day of being in the Palmetto State, having a good time. We're going to talk about the Gamecocks in hour two. Jim, I'm not going to force you to talk about your alma mater, that alma mater being where you went to law school. After you went to law school, Jim, you went into the United States Army, and this next story is related to the Army as we celebrated Veterans Day this week. I'm excited about this. The Army has announced that it will be adopting an iconic uniform known informally as pinks and greens as its new service wear. Do you, are you familiar with pinks and greens? I'm familiar with greens, not pinks. Okay. Well, that was the uniform used back in World War II. Oh, really? That great classic look, that sort of dark uh, olive drab. And yeah, olive drab looking, and all yeah. That, all that, and it's going to be the Army Combat Uniform, I think is what it's going to be called. And it will replace the Army blue uniform. So as a good okay. Southerner, I'm tired of seeing our soldiers wear blue. Well, when I was in the Army for two years of active duty, our formal uniform, our dress uniform, so to speak, was blue. Okay. Yeah, our, our regular 
day-to-day uniform, um, which of course still required a, a you know tie. Um, it was it was the army green, as I call it. But um, yeah, I, I used to wear the blue only on um, let's say formal occasions when um, the general, the colonel, invited us over to the uh, uh, officers' club for cocktails and whatever orders. Yep. As part of the new Army uniform, soldiers will receive pants and brown leather Oxfords for men and women, and female soldiers will have the additional option to wear pencil skirts and pumps. Brown mm. leather bomber jackets will be available for outerwear. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So what in the world is a pencil skirt, Jim? Uh, I would take it to mean a tight-fitting skirt on a slender body. Okay. <laughs> 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 getting a little fashion in with Jim well yeah i mean uh you know i would i was on active duty from late 1963 to late 1965 and things have certainly changed a lot since then yes they have to the state of alabama and a man showed up at a pinson city hall wednesday morning suffering from a gunshot wound to the leg so he goes into the city hall building there in pinson alabama and he's got a gunshot. Why would he not call 911 first? Why would he not go to a hospital first? But that's what happened. And the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department was dispatched to the scene just before 11 a.m. yesterday. And the man had been shot once in the leg by an acquaintance at his residence in the 3200 block of Sweeney Hollow Road. This is just outside of Birmingham. And Sweeney's a kind of a popular name in the state of South Carolina. Yes, it is. Um, spelled differently from a fine lady that I work with for uh, <laughs> 30 years or more. <laughs> yeah, one of those Swinney Sweeney's. <laughs> yes, sir. I don't know if Dabo's from Pinson. I think yeah. he might be from Pelham. I think that's right, but yeah. The man was a 40-year-old man, and, and deputies, he said that he'd been in an argument with a man he knows at the home when the man pulled a gun and shot him. And when the shooter left the scene, the victim drove to City Hall. <laughs> Just well, where you need to go when you get shot. Go to the Pinson City Hall. Well, I'd be, it'd be interesting to know where, what his alma mater was. Who's that? Whoever, whoever the victim Mr. was. Mr. Gunshot. In other words, he, he sort of had his priorities in, uh, not in order. No, no, no. But that's okay. I think he's all right. Speaking of sports, you like college basketball, Jim? Oh, yeah. Well, the SEC basketball tournament, it's uh. been – Mostly in Nashville the last few years, but it moved like to St. Louis last year. It's been in Atlanta. It should have come to South Carolina at one point and never did. The women's yeah. tournament went to Greenville one time. But the SEC basketball tournament will continue to call Nashville its home every year but one through the year 2030 and all the way up until 2035. That's a possibility. The SEC's announced this. And in 2022, the tournament will take place in Tampa, Florida, but uh, uh, if you take that year out of it, 2022, when you'll be turning 29 or 30, yeah. the tournament will stay there at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee, which they do a great job of hosting the tournament. I heard that on the late ESPN news last night, since I sit up um, a little later than most. Yeah, I heard that last night. I wasn't uh, quite sure what the one-year exception was all about. Maybe they explained that when I had fallen half asleep. Probably already had a contract with Tampa. I probably should get out of it, frankly. Yeah. But they, they're not, and they're they're going to be mostly in Nashville, which is somewhat cent- uh, centrally located for most SEC schools. And, yeah. and, of course, Nashville. I'm a huge Nashville fan. 
and it's a wonderful place to, to go anytime. Jim, you were in the banking business. A Tupelo bank has purchased a couple of banks in Texas and Alabama for $90 million. Bank Corp South. I don't know if you've heard of them or not, but I'm a customer of Bank Corp South. So Bank Corp, Ooh. give me a little money for your plug here. Okay. They announced that they're buying Grand Bank of Texas and Merchants Bank of Alabama. Grand Bank is out of the Casey Bank Corp of Dallas. And they're purchasing them for $51.75 million in stock and cash. The bank has branches there in Texas and $353 million in assets. Bank Corp South will pay $37.5 million in stock and cash to buy Merchants Trust of Jackson, Alabama, parent of Merchants Bank. And that Alabama bank has six branches and $221 million in assets. Bank Corp South has $18 billion in assets with 285 branches in Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Louisiana, Missouri, Tennessee, Texas, and South Carolina. Just kidding. They're not in South Carolina, but I wish they were. They're yeah. good, good little bank. But why do banks constantly buy each other out? Help me out, Dad. Profitability, okay. bottom line. They, they think they can um, merge their resources and become more profitable on behalf of both banks. Now, when a bank starts is that always the end goal to sell to ultimately one day sell no uh -uh. Really? It, no no not not in the old days i mean i go back to um um 1938 in the cradle and <laughs> <laughs> matter of fact my little hometown of holly hill south carolina has two banks that go way way back and, and they've not sold out they have not sold out and they both survived the great depression Okay, but you're an example of a guy who worked for a bank for a long time, and then it sold out to... Well, mine went through a number of mergers. Okay. Uh, I started with the South Carolina National Bank and the Trust Department in 1966. It was the largest bank in the state of South Carolina. They had an intrastate merger with First National Bank of South Carolina in 1985, and then in 1992, they were, um, the, well, the new new and bigger, better South Carolina National Bank was uh, merged or acquired by Wachovia Corporation. And um, I, I retired, uh, believe it or not, John, I retired um, 20 years ago. Golly. Uh, yeah. I, I, retired in, I retired in 1998 at the age of 60. I've told my age. I retired in 1998 at the age of 60. And um, I've been retired for 20 years. I worked for 32 years, and I've been retired for 20. Mm. Well, but uh, anyhow, after I left, there were more mergers. Mm. Wachovia did a merger with First Union, and First Union was a bigger, bigger bank, but they called it Wachovia because First Union was having problems and Wachovia's name had the goodwill that went with it. Uh -huh. then, along, then along came the stagecoach, Wells Fargo. Uh, so now I'm a retiree of Wells Fargo. How about that? Bank N.A. Well, Jimmy, you're no dummy, but here on the Y'all Show, we love to talk about D-U-M-M. -M. But in this case, I don't want to call this dumb. It's, it's not even a human being we're talking about. West Virginia police have apprehended, and that, that word is in quotes, a raccoon drunk on fermented crab apples. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. We used to, in Holly Hill, South Carolina, we used to have a crab apple tree in the corner of our yard. Yeah, well, fermented crab apples don't go well with raccoons 
And in Milton, <laughs> West Virginia, the police department had to apprehend this masked bandit. That's wow. pretty good. After uh, people in a neighborhood called the police after they noticed the raccoon's odd behavior, it was reportedly staggering around and appeared to be disoriented. Some locals were convinced it was rabid, but it seems the creature just had a little bit too much of crab apples and fermented crab apples at that. If you think at some point in your life you've eaten the the most sour thing imaginable ever made by in the Lord's creation and you haven't eaten a crab apple, then you haven't eaten the sour, most sour thing on earth. You ever bite into a crab apple, I guarantee you, it'll, it'll, it'll make your eyeballs turn wrong side out. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Jim Waddell, everybody. We're going to go to a break here on the Y'all Show. When we come back, we will keep talking with Jim. We're going to talk about the states of North Carolina and South Carolina. We've got one more news story to pass along, and it actually has to do with Western North Carolina. And we'll also talk to Jim about maybe more of his background and, and his great service to the South with his great financial knowledge and more. This is the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. The wait is finally over. Dell's biggest Black Friday ever is on. Save up to 50% on Black Friday deals, plus get free shipping on everything. With massive deals on Dell computers with 8th Gen Intel Core processors, the hottest gaming gear, and savings on top brand electronics like Samsung TVs, it's the one sale of the year you don't want to miss. Just call 800 by dell or visit dell.com slash Black Friday. Quantities are limited. Call 800 by dell for more Black Friday deals. This car I'm driving, I overpaid big time. It was such a f- mistake. I should have just gone to Carfax.com, but I went to some other site. They gave me a price range? Oh, they were way off. Son of a... Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report, so you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. And we're back on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. And my special guest here sitting beside me is Jim Waddell, W-A-D-D-I-L-L, in case you want to go Googling. You do a lot of Googling? Uh, yeah, I do now. Um, I never was a Googler. In fact, I never I never even touched a computer until some, some gentleman who was living in Oxford, Mississippi, back in 2008, invited me to be on a little gray line talk show with him. And um, when my sexy baritone voice wasn't coming across the, the telephone airways strong enough, uh, I, w- I broke down and bought a computer. Oh, man, I'm sorry I did I, that. I became a Googler. Yes. Well, it's kind of a neat thing, and you can learn a lot of stuff, a lot of which is totally useless. Like later today, I'm going to go Google crab apples, and I want to know more about that. <laughs> After the last story we read, hey, Jim, I know you're a big fan. As we said earlier, you are bistatual. You're a big fan of North Carolina and South Carolina. And we have a story here from Newland, North Carolina. Do you know where that is? It could be pronounced uh-huh. Newland, but it's Newland or it's Newland. It's not, not Newfoundland. Is no, it like no, Newfoundland? No, it's N-E-W-L-A-N-D. It's near Sugar Mountain, 
not far from Boone, okay, North Carolina, yeah, way, I, way up in the mountains. I'm not, I am familiar with Beach Mountain, Sugar Mountain, Boone, Blowing Rock, Banner Elk, and all that, but I'm not familiar with Newland. Well, we're going to have to check your WNC credentials after not knowing where <laughs> Newland, North Carolina is. But a farmer there who raised the Christmas tree destined for the White House lawn this year hmm. says the Fraser fir got the last laugh after he basically abandoned it. Larry Smith said that the 19-and-a-half-foot-tall tree didn't seem to be doing as well as others, so he hadn't trimmed it in a couple of years. But two White House officials just love the natural look to it, and his mountaintop Fraser fir farm was selected to provide this year's official tree after he won the National Christmas Trees Association's contest in Wisconsin. And that's a great thing, as North Carolina now We'll have the most White House Christmas trees in Washington with a total of 12. The tree will be cut or was cut yesterday and driven to Washington, D.C. So you can wave to it going down the highway. And Smith will be on hand Monday when it is debuted on the White House lawn. The wow. national Christmas tree from Western North Carolina. How about that? And he said he kind of had given up on it. That's that's a great story. And um, congratulations. That's That's quite a prestigious honor for the state of uh, North Carolina and Western North Carolina. Yeah, yeah we're um Maggie Valley where we hang out is um I mean it, it's a couple probably a couple hour drive from the from the Boone Banner Elk um mm-hmm. uh Blowing Rock area in, in Newland, North Carolina. Nineteen and a, nineteen and a half foot tall tree. Yeah. I, I don't think your home here could hold that kind of tree could I, I don't believe so. <laughs> as a uh, as as much as a mansion as we own here, John. Uh, <laughs> no, that's a joke too, by the way. A modest abode, but anyhow, no, we could not hold a nineteen and a half foot Christmas tree. Well, you do. Uh, you maybe, but maybe in North Carolina. And, and as we said, Jim divides his time. He's enjoying the the, the prime years as he's worked hard and, and, and of course, worked in the banking industry, now working in the broadcast industry. And we love having you on. And you, of course, have a, a lovely wife and family and all that. What does it mean for you to be not only a Carolinian but a, a Southerner? Are you, are you happy and blessed, in your opinion, that God put you in the South? You know, I've always been pretty much of a homebody, except when I was in the military and, and you know, other occasions. But uh, I've been to enough other places, even though I enjoyed it. I, we, we, lived, we were in Indiana for a while when I was in the service. I loved Indiana, uh, except for the wintertime. And unfortunately, I was up in Well, I've been to enough other places besides the Deep South, mm-hmm. uh, some of which I really like. But I'm still a, a Southerner at heart. I... I like everything South. Yeah, and I can I can speak the y'all language. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that when you just said it, it almost looked like it, you were struggling when you said that. Not struggling at all. Okay. Not struggling at all when I use the word y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Now Jim's just uh-huh. a little, slightly older than than me, and, and so I enjoy <laughs> hearing his tales of growing up in the and really in the forties and fifties. And you told me one time about how, as a child, you'd go into the local convenience store and people would line up and order. For lunch, uh, these days it's about a twelve dollar expense to go have a lunch, a sandwich even. It, it's yeah. it's not cheap, but in the the good old days, it was less than a dollar, 
and you could go in there and get you what what was it well that's when i was um 12 years old working in a grocery store in holly a regular grocery store and I, I'm sure they were probably breaking all kinds of labor laws to hire me. Okay. <laughs> we won't tell but, anybody. No, no, no. But um, my my duties were to to run the drink box. You know, you had to keep flipping drinks, and and um, so the yeah. the ones on top with the cold. Anyhow, my job was to run the drink box and uh, the cheese section. Used to have this big block of cheese up on a. a Cutting, uh, and anyhow, cutting bar. And um, sometimes uh, our patrons would come in around lunchtime and they'd order a drink of their choice. And um, the, the cookie or cracker they liked the best were Johnny Cakes. There was a big sugar cookie. Uh, oh, gosh, it was um, probably three times the size of a silver dollar, maybe four or five times the size. It's called a Johnny Cake. And um, those sold for two for a nickel. They could get a drink for about a nickel, six cents perhaps. And then they would um, top it off with some what they what some of them call rat cheese. Now that was a term used around town to describe what in effect was mild cheddar. <laughs> but they would they wouldn't say I want a. I mean this was their lunch. They wouldn't say I want a quarter pound or something like that. They'd say I want twenty five cents worth. And it was my job to go out there, go back there, and slice off enough which, when weighed, would be the equivalent of about the $0.25 cents portion. <laughs> <laughs> and also, by the way, we worked um, from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. with an hour break. And um, my take-home pay, daily take-home pay, because I did this on Saturdays since I was in school, was a little less than two dollars and fifty cents, eight a.m. to nine p.m. Um, it's a little more than two fifty, but uh, me, I think it was two fifty. But then they took out Social Security on me. That's when that's when I applied my Social Security number when I was working in the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> Which but what's it, the name of the store again? Kennerly's Grocery. Ah, Kennerly's. Kennerly's. Wow. Kennerly's Grocery ah. in Holly Hill. Holly Hill, South Carolina. Yes, At 9 p.m., the town blew the siren, and the streets had to be cleared. How about that? The good old days, for sure. This is y'all. We're broadcasting from South Carolina. Our guest, Jim Waddell, sitting in with me. When we come back, we're going to talk to Jim about Western North Carolina, some places as we have our Dixie Destination and we're going to go to a true insider instead of having one place spotlight. I want to get Jim's quick take of where all people around the South should check out when they go to the Western North Carolina mountains. This is the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. To beauty, Black Friday is more like Glam Friday with extra glitter. So get ready for eye-catching gifts like dramatic mascaras from Tarte and Urban Decay for only $10 or the All-Stars kit from MAC for only $20 and magical must-haves like Morphe's Super Soft Makeup Brush Set for half off. That's 100% glam for 50% less. Black Friday is the day to find something for everyone on your nice list, even you. Get ready to gift. Get ready to glam. Get ready to shine brighter. Ulta Beauty, the possibilities are beautiful.
We're back here on Y'all with John Rawl. Our number, 803-816-1170. And on the World Wide Web, we are y'all.com. My special co-host is Jim Waddell as we broadcast from the Palmetto State. And Jim Waddell spends his time here as well as the Tar Heel State. He goes to Western North Carolina where he has a second home there. And Jim, here on the Y'all Show, we like to tell people around the South where some cool places they can go and check out. And with that second home, you spend time in the Western North Carolina mountains, an area that does have a lot of tourism. But what is it about living there that, that makes it where you want to go still feel like a tourist each and every time you're there? Quiet living, um, very low crime rate, um, outstanding temperatures, very low humidity, um, Great shopping areas. Maggie Valley, where we stay, is our house is in the town. It's an incorporated town of Maggie Valley. Mm-hmm. And we're only about um, a seven-minute drive from downtown Waynesville, which is the county seat of Haywood County. And uh, we love Haywood County. We've, we've been in, in, in different places all over the North Carolina mountains for years now, but uh, we settle upon Haywood County as our favorite. Uh, Haywood County... All, all water from Haywood County, like um, creek heads, creek watersheds, etc., all water runs out of the county. No water runs into the county. Huh. Haywood County is a uniquely, um, you know, well-elevated um, county um, just west of Buncombe, which features, of course, Asheville. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but Haywood County is a higher elevation than Buncombe. And um, really, the western um, the western edge of Haywood County is, you might as well say, the Tennessee line. We can go to the nearest uh, exit off I-40 as we leave Maggie Valley, which is exit number 20, if, if uh, our guests are interested in taking this down. Yeah. Exit number 20, meaning that you're 20 miles inside the Tennessee line in North Carolina. You're not far from Cherokee. What should folks oh. do when they go to Cherokee, North Carolina? Oh, Cherokee is very interesting. Way back in the days when our children were young, of course, you'd go to Cherokee and walk maybe a city block or two and, and have them take a picture with an Indian chief, Cherokee Indian Reservation. Now Cherokee is a thriving metropolis, and... Um, uh, the we- the western edge of it is the gateway to the Great Smoky Mountains. If you go to Cherokee and get on Highway 441, head west, you go right up to the top and over the Great Smoky Mountains, and you end up in um, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Um, Gatlinburg and, of course, uh, Pigeon Forge uh, and all that good stuff. But, yeah, right across the Smokies, from our house... Uh, either going to Blue Ridge Parkway, which we have access to, or going the old highway in the Cherokee, Highway 19. From our house, you can drive all the way across, through Cherokee, all the way across the Great Smokies and into the edge of Gatlinburg in about an hour and 15 minutes. Really? Yeah. And you can also do it by way of Interstate 40. You can go out a few miles and catch Interstate 40 and head west. And um, you can go across the Tennessee line, of course, and there's a parkway that um, takes you in uh, into the uh, Pigeon Forge Gatlinburg area. So either way you do it, uh, it's going to take about an hour and 15 minutes. Easy access. 
Now, I know you've told me about this little place, and it's, it's, a, it's a place you kind of have to be wanting to go to, but I know there are some exclusive people that choose this place as a, a home, and that would be Cashiers, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Cashiers, North Carolina, or as I was corrected one time by the, um, by the Chamber of Commerce, they said, uh, Mr. Waddell, I, I want to correct you there. Our name, our name our town is Cashiers. Okay. He says we don't pronounce it like a bank cashier, but okay. anyhow, cashiers, cashiers, uh, cashiers, or cashiers is uh, ten miles from the the gorgeous um, and and highly elevated uh, ritzy town of Highlands uh, in a, in the next adjoining county. But cashiers is very um, is very nice. They have a big resort there called Fairfield Sapphire Valley. Beautiful homes, town townhouses, golf course, two golf courses, and uh, and and all kinds of great amenities. Even a little um, eh, small um, ski slope, which has about three slopes, I think, mostly um, beginner to intermediate. But yeah, that, that's a great place. And uh, U.S. Highway 64 runs through Caches and on the Highlands. All right. Well, I don't want people in North Carolina thinking that you're on their payroll. So, Jim, for our listeners beyond the Carolinas, as a, a South Carolina resident and native too, at least tell folks one place in South Carolina that you really love to go see. Well, obviously, I love to go see my hometown of Holly Hill, okay, <laughs> which is in Orangeburg County, and it's easy to get to. It's right off of two interstates. It's right off of I ninety five and I twenty six. Only cool. about forty five minutes from Charleston. Yep. So, hey, I, I love this idea. I don't know of any hotels in Holly Hill. You may have to stay in a place called Santee, not far away. But uh, what, what is it? Hey, I know one place. Your your town is not only known for you, Jim, and it's also known for your wife who grew up there too. But there is a famous establishment in Holly Hill, South Carolina, and it's actually in a place called Utahville. Well, between Sweatman's about Barbecue, halfway between Holly Hill and Utahville is Sweatman's uh, Barbecue. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's about halfway between them. And it's Bo- been, both towns lay claim to uh, it. It's been all over <laughs> Food Channel, and people go yeah. there for all kinds of stuff. And, yeah, and yeah. Holly Hill is kind of a barbecue capital. It is, and it all traces back to the Bessingers, I would assume. Uh, yeah, primarily. Um, uh, Joe Bessinger Senior. Um, you know, father of the late Maurice and, and several other sons. Uh, he started a little uh, little restaurant there when I was just growing up called Joe's Grill. And that was before I-26 was built. Mm-hmm. Holly Hill being, you know, close to midway between Columbia and Charleston, uh, where US-176 is the main street, main drag going through. Um, Joe Bessner built a little restaurant called Joe's Grill right there on US-176 on the western side of town way back in my early childhood, and it was it was a gigantic truck stop. Mm. You could go there any morning of the week and see uh, these big 18-wheelers just lined up on the side of the road for maybe a quarter to a half mile sometimes Golly. because the truckers like to stop there to break the trip between Columbia and Charleston coffee up you know eat a eat a two egg breakfast or whatever and coffee up and um yeah they had a pinball in the corner and and juke and a jukebox hey yeah my, my kind of place so F- fonzie would like that everybody put holly hill south <laughs> carolina on your list of next uh, 
place you need to go on a vacation getaway. Yeah. That is a good place in the hometown of Jim Waddell. Well, that will conclude Hour 1 of today's Y'all Show. When we come back in Hour 2, we're going to talk to Jim about a word he just used when he was talking about his his workplace as a kid in Holly Hill, South Carolina. He used the word patron. Well, that word is very special to Jim, but it's not for working as a youth. It's what he does each March and April. And we're going to talk about that when we come back. And we're going to talk about the South Carolina Gamecocks with Tyler Garrett. And we'll be in Columbia and catch up with him about all things Garnet and Black. This is the Y'all Show Hour 2, heading your way next. tell you a story about how the drug war in Mexico began. And who was boss? Only on Netflix. Miguel Felix Gallardo. Drug kingpin of Guadalajara. We take out Felix, we cripple the Mexican drug trade. Witness the birth of Mexico's drug war. Gotta take down the ones calling the shots. It's time to take the gloves off. Gallardo crosses the DEA for the last time tonight. Narcos Mexico, now streaming on Netflix. The wait is finally over. Dell's biggest Black Friday ever is on. Save up to 50% on Black Friday deals, plus get free shipping on everything. With massive deals on Dell computers with 8th Gen Intel Core processors, the hottest gaming gear, and savings on top brand electronics like Samsung TVs, it's the one sale of the year you don't want to miss. Just call 800 by dell or visit dell.com slash Black Friday. Quantities are limited. Call 800 by dell for more Black Friday deals. Wherever you are this giving season, there's no better way to say Happy Holidays than with custom cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And right now, you can get 50% off all holiday cards and calendars at Vistaprint.com. There are hundreds of our newest card designs to choose from, or give a year's worth of joy by personalizing calendars full of unforgettable pictures. So get merry, get jolly, get 50% off all holiday cards and calendars. Plus, save on other photo gifts at Vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code HOLIDAY. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code HOLIDAY. And welcome back to the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent here on this second hour of our Thursday edition as we wrap things up in the state of South Carolina and we look forward to getting back here. Your host, John Rawl, our number 803-816-1170. Our website is y'all.com. I'm joined by Jim Waddell, the brute. And we've already kind of given you a full dose of Jim in hour one, but we've got him for one more segment here an hour two. In the next segment, I'm going to switch over to Tyler Garrett, and we're going to talk about the South Carolina fight and Gamecocks as they're trying to get another win or two and go back to a bowl. And we'll find out the latest with Will Muschamp's football team. And we'll get Tyler Garrett's take on the entire SEC. Can anybody knock off the Crimson Tide? That's ahead. You don't want to miss it. Back to Jim now. Here in this segment of the show on Thursdays, Jim, we often talk about books. So I I want to first ask you, are you much of a reader? Um, not anymore. I'm not. Okay. Uh, no, uh, I, I've had some, um, eye issues over the past few years, but still, though, still, I, um, I'm corrected 2020 vision. I just don't, uh, 
among other things, I have floaters, and um, I don't read as much as I used well, to. Well, you don't read books, but I know you're all over websites and such. Yeah, and oh, I, yeah, yeah. One thing you do, I, I know you keep up with the New York Yankees, so congratulations oh, on a, yeah. a halfway decent year, although I'm sorry about the Red Sox <laughs> being the World Series champs. <laughs> I don't worry about it as much as I used to. I, I've mellowed over the years, John. We, we were just bragging on your uh, – I said Holly Hill, South Carolina, was the hometown of you and your wife, and that was pretty famous. Also the hometown of Sweatman's Barbecue. But speaking of the New York Yankees, it's the home of one of their current stars, Brett Gardner. That's right. And Holly Hill's not a very big place. But he, uh, his family right there in Holly Hill, I think Brett's got a home there, I think. Yeah. And, it, and, and it must be really cool. You were a Yankees fan long before Brett Gardner, and how is it to have a guy from your hometown suiting up for the pinstripes? That is fabulous. Uh, real, real proud of Brett. He um, graduated from Holly Hill Academy. Um, he was not offered any college scholarship, granting aid, if you will. Um, he could have walked on to Citadel or College of Charleston, and he chose to go to College of Charleston as a walk-on, and by his sophomore year, he was uh, like an MVP, also con, um, great batting average, outstanding defensive um, outfield as he still is today. And um, if I, you know, if, if I were allowed to um, exaggerate a little more without uh, your listeners, um, you know, thinking that I was just making stuff up to make myself sound good, I'd even tell you that his maternal great great grandmother and my maternal my maternal great-grandmother was sisters. Oh, so you're kin to him. <laughs> yeah, well, very, yeah. But I did not have, I did not have his baseball talents. <laughs> I did, I did patrol center field as a Holly Hill Bantam back in the day, ah, okay. but I did not. <laughs> no. Now, Brett is an outfielder, and he's normally the leadoff hitter? Yeah, he usually leads What's off. his contract situation like? Okay, well, four years ago, um, fourth year ending in 2018, they signed him to a four-year, $52 million contract. That comes out to $13 million a year. Mm-hmm. That contract uh, ended in 2018, even though the Yankees had a one-year option to bring him back. Well, the in order, they chose... Um, they chose not to exercise his option for another year, but negotiated a contract with him. Um, once you once you um, have to buy out the option, so to speak, that that gives him that gives him two million dollars up front, and then they signed him for one more year at seven and a half million dollars on top of that. So he will come back in two thousand nineteen. At uh, making nine point five million dollars with the Yankees, with the Yankees, there's he, no no question that he'll be with the Yankees. No question. He's already they've already signed the deal. Okay. He was one of the first one. He was the first one approached after the World Series, and uh, they negotiated his contract within days of the end of the World I, Series. I knew you would know. I knew he you're... he wants to he wants to uh, finish his career as a Yankee. We're talking about Brett Gardner. A native South Carolinian from Holly Hill, done great a great thing in the Major League Baseball ranks for, gosh, what has it been? Ten years, twelve years? Uh, he started. He started played some in, uh, with the Yankees in two thousand eight when he sure. came up from Triple A, and he played more in two thousand nine. And um, as a result, he 
He, he won a World Series ring in 2009, which was the last year the Yankees won the World Series. Good. I don't like the Yankees, so I'm going to stop talking about them, but I am proud of Brett Gardner. That's pretty amazing where he came from, which baseball is not that big a deal, and honestly, in, in, in that part of South Carolina, I, I will say it is a big deal in some areas, but in, in Holly Hill, I don't know what the big deal is. I guess deer hunting. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, deer hunting and fishing. I mean, uh, a few miles to the south of Holly Hill, you have Full Hole Swamp, where I spent a lot of my childhood. Yeah. And then just north of Holly Hill, you have Lake Marion, which yeah. is which is known for striped bass and crappie and all kinds of good fishing. Jim, let's talk about something else, sports, before we have to say goodbye to you. You mentioned in hour one the word patron. You were talking about where you worked as a kid there in Holly Hill, South Carolina. And that word in sports world can only mean one thing, and that would be the Augusta National Golf Club, where each and every springtime they have the Masters. And since 1960, 58. I'm sorry, going back further. Since 1958, as you were, since 1958, Jim Waddell here has been an Augusta National patron and attended the Masters. That is correct. I've attended every year since 1958, uh, beginning in 1958 when I was a sophomore at the Citadel. My roommate, Terrell Wiggins, uh, was from North Augusta. His family had been going for years, and he invited me to take a, a weekend leave past from the Citadel, uh, spend the weekend with him in North Augusta. And on that Saturday in 1958, the first year the man, Arnold Palmer, won it. <laughs> first of his four wins was a was my first time at the Masters. And even though I wasn't a real golfer, I love it as a as a spectator sport. But back in those days, there was not there were not true patrons of record because back in those days, up to 1967. Uh, you could, if you got there early enough, buy a single round pit ticket pass at the gate. They had a they had a, a quota. You know they they wouldn't um they, they didn't want to fill the course with too many people. But if you got there early enough, you could buy a single round pass, and that's how I got started. Uh, in in 1959, after my first year with Terrell and his family, uh, I, I went out one um, one weekend day and um, got a pass and. Um, the same thing every year when I was in law school, um, I went one day, um, the three years I was in law school, what got me on the patrons mailing list was when I was in the army, um, I got, I, I had a couple officers that I work with that were golfing fanatics and, um, they taught me into, uh, ordering tickets through the mail and we went down there. And I uh, went to one round, a long trip from where we were stationed, but went out there for one round. And as a result of doing that in 19, um, well, let's see, 1964 and, um, and 65, the next year they started the patron's mailing list. Uh -huh. And I was on the mailing list, <laughs> having ordered tickets the two previous years. Uh -huh. So that's how it happened. And um, and here we are now. I'm an octogenarian. And by the way, my friend Terrell Wiggins uh, still lives in North Augusta, and he still goes every year. He's been going longer than I have. He started when he was a young teenager going with his parents. Well, the whole way they do tickets and the whole event is something special. 
something you've invited me to and I've not yet been able to go, but I'm going to take you up on it one of these decades and the masters will be here before you know it. But just, I love hearing you talk about the things that you don't often hear about the way the, the tickets are distributed and how they're, they're pretty strict and you don't well, get a second chance. If you, if you are one of your badge holders messes up, you might've had those tickets going on 50 plus years. It doesn't matter. They're going to take it from you and, and, and there's a good reason for that. That's why the Augusta National is so revered. And one of my life goals has been to be a member of the Augusta National Golf Club. I don't think that's going to happen. Mm. So the next best thing for me would be to be a patron. I'm not <laughs> sure that's going to happen. Yeah. But I can at least hope for it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they've, um, they've changed the rules a little bit old. Yes, for example, about 10 years ago, they sent out a letter to some of the, they said the oldest patrons on record and gave them the opportunity to have one child of theirs, one, one only, receive two badges, of course, for a price, mm-hmm. receive two badges for their life, for, for his or her life. And also, by the way, a spouse, uh, a spouse is a living, a surviving spouse is considered to be a surviving patron. Ah. Uh, I being six years old and Diane, um, when I kick the bucket someday, um, and she's and she's still going strong. She'll put that thing away. In the, <laughs> she comes in the mail. It's going no, in the trash. No, because our son Jim now got the two. Okay, got took advantage of the child badges, and now he has two for his life with his wife being a potential survivor someday. And they also have a youth program now, which is fabulous. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about that. We're running out of time. What okay. is the ticket price for a master's badge? Oh boy, it's um for you. Well, I'd have to think back to what it were last year. I pay a lump sum for three. Jim gets two. Um, they were because they're cheaper than most people would think. Well, yeah. They, let's just say they're um around um uh, around. They, they usually up the price maybe every three years. I think let's just say in a rounded figure around three hundred dollars per badge. Okay, a, a little more than that. I think last year I paid close to a thousand dollars. For three badges, so let's say they're three fifty per badge. Okay, but that's for not only the four days of the tournament, but the practice rounds and all that included. No, practice rounds are not included. Ah, they're not. Okay. No, and they run a they run, they run a separate um, raffle, so to speak. Um, they they run a separate deal as far as practice round tickets. They used to say, um, well, they used to put names in a hat and draw them for the practice rounds. Uh, now they've even gotten a practice round patrons list up. Uh, okay. So you have to, um, you have to get on the, you have to get on the list now. Well, it's a twofold thing. You have to get on the list as a practice round patron and your name has to be drawn. Uh, okay. yeah. 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 I knew you would know all these crazy details. Jim Waddell, thank you for your incredible knowledge. You do have a still trap memory and we're so thankful for that. Well, I am too. The Lord's blessed me in many ways and, um, uh, I'm still going strong, praise the Lord, and appreciate the opportunity of being on y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Talk with a southern accent. Let me hear you say that. <laughs> Talk with a southern accent now, you hear? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Waddell, everybody. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to have Tyler Garrett stop by. We're going to talk about the South Carolina Gamecocks in our SEC spotlight. Thanks a lot, Jim. We'll see you down the road. You've been listening to y'all, and we'll be right back with more of today's show.
The wait is finally over. Dell's biggest Black Friday ever is on. Save up to 50% on Black Friday deals, plus get free shipping on everything. With massive deals on Dell computers with 8th Gen Intel Core processors, the hottest gaming gear, and savings on top brand electronics like Samsung TVs, it's the one sale of the year you don't want to miss. Just call 800 by dell or visit dell.com slash Black Friday. Quantities are limited. Call 800 by dell for more Black Friday deals. This car I'm driving, I overpaid big time. It was such a mistake. I should have just gone to Carfax.com, but I went to some other site. They gave me a price range? Oh, they were way off. Son of a... Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report, so you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. I'm going to tell you a story about how the drug war in Mexico began. And who was boss? Only on Netflix. Miguel Felix Gallardo. Drug kingpin of Guadalajara. We take out Felix, we cripple the Mexican drug trade. Witness the birth of Mexico's drug war. We've got to take down the ones calling the shots. It's time to take the gloves off. Gallardo crosses the DEA for the last time tonight. Narcos Mexico, now streaming on Netflix. Wherever you are this giving season, there's no better way to say Happy Holidays than with custom cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And right now, you can get 50% off all holiday cards and calendars at Vistaprint.com. There are hundreds of our newest card designs to choose from. Or give a year's worth of joy by personalizing calendars full of unforgettable pictures. So get merry, get jolly, get 50% off all holiday cards and calendars. Plus, save on other photo gifts at Vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code HOLIDAY. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code HOLIDAY. And we're back here on the Y'all Show, talk with a southern accent with your host, John Rawl, on this, our Thursday edition, and we are still broadcasting from the Palmetto State, and we are just down the street from williams Bryce Stadium, Willie B., home of the South Carolina Fighting Gamecocks, and here on the Y'all Show today, we have our SEC spotlight here in the Midlands of South Carolina, and we bring on from our sister show for Gamecock fans, Tyler Garrett. He was on with us back before football season began. And now we have him in the flesh here on today's Y'all Show. Hello, Tyler. Good day to you. How are we doing? Uh, I'm doing good. How are you? And how is Gamecock Nation? Gamecock Nation is trying to bounce back and pull everything together for this stretch run in the season after that 17-point blown lead in what looked like a quality win on the road down in the swamp. Uh, for one of the very few times that South Carolina has been able to do that, only to see that lead be blown in the late third, fourth quarter, and uh, just just more more loss well, for the Gamecocks. The natural question, Tyler, is how did that happen? Is it Gamecock defense falling apart, or is Florida that good? Well, that sort of is the name of the game here when looking in hindsight, of course, 2020, but it did most of Gamecock Nation falls into two camps. Either the offense got too conservative and tried to sit on the lead and change their game plan, which Will Muschamp uh, 
came right out and said that was not the case in post game or did, it was didn't I see somewhere where it was accused that he was calling plays on right, offense? Right, right. That that uh Will Muschamp sort of put his stamp on offensive play calling in the second half or at least dire- gave the directive about what the offense should be doing with that, that was lead. Fake news. Uh, well, he came out and said that that doesn't happen, and his, you know the players, offensive players, said that doesn't happen, okay. and that has never happened. So, um, it, you're either in that on that side of the coin or the other side of the coin where the defense is just can't stop the run. The linebackers aren't in position to make plays. There's so been so many injuries uh, in the defensive backfield at cornerback and safety. Now, the, basically, the whole two deep at safety is gone. And so now you're playing a bunch of players that don't have experience in big-time SEC play. Well, as we're sitting here doing the show leading into the big showdown with Chattanooga this weekend, <laughs> the Gamecocks still are not bowl eligible. They are 5-4. and four. Remember earlier in the season, a game that they were supposed to host against the Marshall Thundering Herd was canceled because of Hurricane Florence. Now, there's been some news in the last couple of days about a, a game added to the schedule that we'll talk about momentarily. But the Gamecocks need another win to even go bowling. That's right, and they should get it on Saturday here at home and on our program, the Carolina Crow Line, before we the Gamecocks even played Florida, I put forth the idea that it's still possible for South Carolina to get to eight wins. As, as a matter of fact, I would go even so far as to say that depending on their bowl matchup, that could even be likely. And at that time, I was counting the Florida and Clemson games as de facto losses to begin with. So in that sense, South Carolina should be right on schedule uh, with what's going on. And at that time, we didn't even have a makeup game. So now that that's been scheduled, I still think that's a possibility. And that makeup game scheduled the weekend of the SEC championship, is that right? That is correct. No SEC championship berth for Carolina this year. Nope. They're going to be playing Akron? That's right. Terry Bowden. Terry Bowden, that's Back right. Back from the dead. Well, he I, I saw Akron defeat Northwestern, I believe, earlier this year. That is true. Big win for them, and we've seen what Northwestern has been able to turn around this year in Evanston. So Akron was added to the schedule just the other day. So USC has Chattanooga this weekend. Then they're at Clemson next weekend. You're, it sounds like you as a Gamecock enthusiast and journalist, there's no chance for a win in Death Valley? I would be extremely shocked. I, I would I would venture to guess when the, the spreads are announced that it would pro- it's going to be a 20-plus point spread. At least easy. Okay. And I'm I'm just not thinking uh, that that's not going to be that's not going to be the night for for the Gamecocks. But uh, you know, I guess stranger things have happened. And that is a night game that was just announced this week. That's That'll right. be ESPN, I believe, against that's Clemson right. on the weekend after Thanksgiving. That's so correct. Get your turkey and enjoy lots of football in the primetime matchup on that Saturday after Thanksgiving. The Gamecocks and the rivalry game against Clemson on ESPN. And only. Bring that up about Clemson. It, it's got to be somewhat demoralizing as a Gamecock that for, was it five straight years Carolina beat Clemson? That's and right. And that was not long ago. That was, that, that was four years ago. Four years ago. That's five right. straight wins, which was atypical, to be honest. As a Gamecock, you don't beat Clemson five straight years. But they did it under Steve Spurrier. And not only has Clemson been dominating the series, they've been dominating college football. They are Without a doubt, I think the second-best team in college football, and if chips fall this year, they may end up with another match against Alabama and can easily win that game. So how tough is it to see a team you dominated be that good in college football? It's tough, uh, you know, especially when it's your in-state rival. It's a a team that's not even in your conference, so they don't necessarily have to go – 
through you to get to where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's been the same for South Carolina, uh, obviously, being in separate conferences. But you run into these people every day. You, you see them every day. They see you every day. And for a five-year period, that wasn't such a bad deal. Yeah. And then now we're four years removed from that. Clemson has beaten South Carolina four straight years. This would be their fifth year where they'd be victorious at the end of the month. And so when you think about that, and, and the other thing that I think South Carolina fans forget, and Clemson fans will be quick to remind, <laughs> is that even when South Carolina was beating Clemson five straight years, Clemson was still going to ACC championship games. They were still going to BCS bowl games and those sorts of things. And, and I think for the South Carolina fan, there's a, a somewhat of a where, where did this come from sort of mentality. At least there was when this began. Mm-hmm. But if you think back about the whole picture, even though you were beaten, that's the thing about being out of conference opponents is you may have been beating Clemson, but they still were appearing in their championship game and they were still playing in in better bowls than South Carolina was. And South Carolina always had that head-scratching game in the SEC that kept them out of Atlanta. And and so it's to certain people, it seems like this came out of nowhere, but this Dabo Sweeney has been building this slowly but surely uh, for the better part of a decade now. And I think when you take that in consideration, it's not a surprise that what he's been able to do. And, and when you take a look at just their recruiting year in and year out, they're at the top of college football. They are competing for the best high school football players nationally now. It's not just a regional thing. They're not plucking a five-star here and there out of Florida or Georgia. It's all across the United States now. So I don't see this stopping anytime soon, and that's a tough pill to swallow for a Gamecock fan. And as a native of this state, Clemson's always had a major presence. Now, the University of South Carolina is your flagship university. There are fans everywhere, but there's just as many Clemson fans in this state. I was in Charleston over the weekend. I saw orange everywhere. I was around the Columbia area. I saw orange everywhere. And I'm only telling people who live in other SEC states here who don't have to worry about a rival from another conference giving them grief all the time. It truly is humiliating if you have a a rival have this much success. And, And we just hope if you're a Gamecock fan that that will soon come to an end. But like Tyler says, we don't know when or if that's going to happen. We're talking with Tyler Garrett, the host of the Carolina Crow Line. We're tired of talking about the Clemson Tigers, so we're going to get back to talking about the Garnet and Black here on this all-SEC spotlight here on the Thursday. Y'all, well, the Gamecock football team, we saw a backup come in. I think it was against Missouri, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken, in the crazy game that that was earlier this year. And then Jake Bentley has been back under center. What's your take on Bentley in his third year, and is this backup going to see any more play before the season is over? Well, it's funny that you bring that up because it wasn't all that long ago when Gamecock fans were clamoring for Jake Bentley to be pulled and, and Michael Skarnecki to put, be put in, and they got their wish. And Skarnecki led them to an SEC win here at home in an unusual game that South Carolina had to fight and claw for and come back to win in the rain, in, in a downpour. In, the, in a pouring rain. Yeah, in a, in, a, <laughs> in a weather delay, the whole thing. And they were able to come back and stop Missouri, who a week prior – uh, to this past weekend had just beaten Florida in the swamp. So we know what Missouri is capable of, and they were able to put a stop to Missouri. And the question was, who's going to start the next week? And, and since then, Jake Bentley has elevated his play. He's, he's played great. I mean, even against Florida, 18 of 28 for 239 yards and two touchdowns. I don't know how much better um, you can expect out of him than that on the SEC in the road. It wasn't all that long ago when – 
he was playing on the, in the SEC on the road that it was it was a big struggle for him. The game two years ago in Gainesville comes to mind. So it wasn't all that long ago that Gamecock fan the, the topic was who should be the quarterback. Now it's what's wrong with the defense, you know, or what's going on with the coach. And yeah. and it's funny that the Gamecock fans can kind of you know jump horses in midstream here when it comes to complaining. But um, well, when, speaking of that, Tyler, you and your crack research team at the Carolina Coraline prior to our coming on the air. We're crunching some numbers, and I know you've got it scribbled down over there. Please, please share with us your incredible information you got. <laughs> well, after uh, several minutes of, of research, <laughs> several intense minutes of research, um, you know, one of the a couple of the stats have been floating around social media that Gamecock fans have been latching onto is when it comes to talking about coaching is Will Muschamp's performance since he's been here at South Carolina, and if South Carolina is going to take that next step, the step that Steve Spurrier was at when they were playing New Year's Day Bowls, when they were beating Clemson five years in a row. Um, currently, right now, in, in this point in Will Muschamp's third year, he's one in nine versus ranked opponents since the Gamecock, you know, as the Gamecock head coach. And that doesn't sit very well, um, you know, when you talk about where we were having the SEC's longest home winning streak, beating Clemson five years in a row, appearing in your New Year's Day Bowls and those sorts of things, three 11-win seasons in a row. South Carolina fans are ready to get back to that. And when you see stats like Will Muschamp is 1-9 against ranked teams, it gives Gamecock Nation pause. Is this going to be the guy that can get us back to where we were just a few years ago. Um, and, and if you dig a little bit deeper in his first three years against uh, Kentucky, Georgia, A&M, Florida, and Clemson, he's won in, combined 1-13 against those schools. Who was the win against? Um, that win, I think they have a win against Georgia. Is that correct? It's not, it's not Kentucky. Oh, it's Florida. It was Florida. It was Florida. Um, his first year? His first year. That's correct. And, um, you know, Steve Spurrier, when you when you compare that to Spurrier, if you since so many Gamecock fans are, are playing the comparison game to yeah. these two coaches, Steve Spurrier was six and six in his first three years against those uh, opponents. If you take out Texas A and M, who was not in the conference, so you you see those two things. You think about the kind of players Steve Spurrier started with and the kind of players Will Muschamp has currently, and you ask yourself, well, what's the next step? for Muschamp here at, as Carolina's head coach. And, and patience has been the key, has been the, the, the vocabulary word that's been preached. And, you know, time will tell. They renewed his contract after the big win against Michigan last year. Um, and they'll, I think they'll take a look at what's going on with him probably at the end of the 2020 football season when those types of talks um, are going to heat up again. Bobby Petrino is available. Yeah, that's true. There are a couple guys that are that are available. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I, Les Miles is still probably eating uh, grass out there somewhere. I think the most champ question still hasn't been solved. This is a tough conference, the Southeastern Conference, and again, the most embarrassing part of the most champ regime has been Kentucky. There's no yes, excuse to lose to them. None. Was it now five straight years? Yes. Five yes, straight years. The seniors have never beaten Kentucky on on a football field. And some of those games, no doubt, the Garnet and Black should have won that game. Yeah. But they didn't. We're talking with Tyler Gaddard. This is the Carolina Crow Lions host. And we are at the Y'all Show on location in Columbia, South Carolina right now. And we're having a great time catching up with Tyler. When we come back after the break, Tyler, you mind talking about some of the other SEC teams? No, let's do it. Want to get your analysis of what's going on and who, if anybody, can compete with Alabama. 
maybe not only in the SEC, but we're not going to talk about Clemson. Maybe some other teams could pull up a surprise before the season's over. This is the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern accent. We'll be right back. To beauty, Black Friday is more like Glam Friday with extra glitter. So get ready for eye-catching gifts like dramatic mascaras from Tarte and Urban Decay for only $10 or the All-Stars kit from MAC for only $20 and magical must-haves like Morphe's Super Soft Makeup Brush Set for half off. That's 100% glam for 50% less. Black Friday is the day to find something for everyone on your nice list, even you. Get ready to gift. Get ready to glam. Get ready to shine brighter. Ulta Beauty, the possibilities are beautiful. This car I'm driving, I overpaid big time. It was such a mistake. I should have just gone to Carfax.com, but I went to some other site. They gave me a price range? Oh, they were way off. Son of a... Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report, so you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. And welcome back to the Y'all Show, our final segment here on this Thursday edition of the All Southern Program. Our number is 803-816-1170, and you can find us on the World Wide Web, y'all.com. And on Twitter, we are at Y'all Show. We're visiting today with Tyler Garrett, the host of the Carolina Crowline. That is the All South Carolina Gamecock Show. If you love the Cox, there's no better show to catch up with all things Carolina than the Carolina Crowline. You can find the Carolina Crow Line on Facebook. You can find it on Twitter, at Carolina Crow Lie is the address there. Or go to CRM Sports, and you'll see the link to go to the show. And Tyler is the host of this show, and we appreciate, Tyler, you taking a little time to talk Carolina football with us today. Absolutely. Hey, I love the new Carolina helmets, by the way. Yeah. The, they, wore, this, they wore that this past weekend. I actually thought the old school, the garnet helmet with the white jersey and the black pants, I actually thought that's probably... You know, if you're the fashion type when it comes to the SEC, uh, that's probably the best look that South Carolina has rolled out all season. Well, the of course, the script Carolina, which Will Muschamp has embraced, goes back to the days that Joe Morrison that's was right. the head coach, the man in black on the sideline who died in 1989, one of the saddest days of my young life when Coach Joe died. I actually, Tyler, used to dress as Coach Joe Morrison when I was a kid in Lexington, South Carolina, because when the Gamecocks and Clemson would play – did you grow up in South Carolina? I came to South Carolina as a teenager. Okay. Well, you Moved grew up. State. Well, at my high school, when those two teams, and it probably was like this in most states across the South, uh, the rivalry weekend when the two big schools faced off, let's say if you lived in Alabama, it would be Alabama-Auburn. On that Friday before the Iron Bowl, in this case in South Carolina, Carolina-Clemson, everybody would wear their, their jerseys or their right. whatever T-shirt they had. I dressed up as Coach Joe Morrison, <laughs> which means I had black pants, a black jacket, my Carolina hat, 
and I had a cigarette in my mouth. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't have that, but no, it was fun. And I, I'm actually, I think, in the high school yearbook in my Coach Joe attire in case anybody wants to go back and check. You only but, dust that off. And but that was that a long online. time ago. But it was good to see that coming back in fashion in Carolina world. But the Gamecocks need to put on a winning uniform, and we've already talked about what they need to do to do that. Let's talk about some other SEC teams across the SEC. Georgia Bulldogs repeating as SEC East champs. Was that a surprise to you, or was that expected? No, that was not a surprise. The only the only question that I had was going to be how effective their offense was going to be. Uh, they have one of the best offensive lines, and, and that was well-established going into the season. But you when you lose – such a large part of your offense last year, like Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb were. Of yeah. course, that's going to be the nat- natural question. What is their offense going to look like? Are, are the backups going to be able to step in and fill those roles? Or is Jake Fromm going to have to sort of take more of a um, a commanding part of the offense and put more of that on his shoulders? And it looks like they haven't really had had to skip a beat at all, except for one bad hiccup earlier in the season. Uh, most most of the time, Georgia just bull, the Bulldogs look like the Bulldogs. They they have an aggressive defense. Um, this year, I feel like though they've kind of stepped up in the wide receiver department, something that they're not really known for. I mean, yeah. how many impact wide receivers can you name over the years for Georgia? AJ Green would probably be about the only one that most people would say. So um, they've got some talent all over the place, and their defense just keeps moving along like they've always had. So. They they see they look like a playoff team to me. I don't know if what they're going to do in Atlanta is going to be enough, or if some of the other teams, you know, take a step back. Um, obviously, they're going to be playing number the number one team in the playoff right. in Atlanta. So they have their chance to make a statement right there. Um, currently sitting at number five. And oh, by the way, listeners, if you don't know anything about South Carolina Gamecock football, the two biggest rivals of the South Carolina Gamecocks, the Clemson Tigers number two in the country, expected to make the college football playoff, and the Georgia Bulldogs, number five currently, and a chance to move into that playoff. So you got two of your arch nemesis close to getting back into the college football playoff. Georgia 2018 better than 2017? No, I don't think so. Um, I just just don't think um, you have seen two running backs like the Bulldogs had last year that are – basically unstoppable. Okay. Uh, you know, you cut, they're not – over the course of uh, four quarters, they're going to be able to do what they wanted to do last year, and, and we saw that. And even in the championship game, um, you know, they had a chance to win it yeah. right at the end. Kentucky was a darling of the SEC for a little while. Were they really that good, or was that overhyped? Their defense is very good. They have some good playmakers on on defense, and they were going to go as far as Benny Snell would be able to carry them on offense. Um, and given South Carolina's house of horrors with Kentucky, um, you know that wasn't a big surprise, albeit a disappointment. And you know they had they had their chance um, to make their statement against the Bulldogs. They fell short, and then they came up short again this past yeah. weekend. Um, so. I feel like they kind of let one loss become two. Um, beyond that, though, I think they should be proud of, of what they've accomplished. They've definitely made a statement in the SEC. Now the question is going to be, can they sustain that? Sure. What about Tennessee? Is Jeremy Pruitt on the right track in Knoxville? I think they're getting better. They look a lot better than they did early in the season. Um, they've gotten a couple of good wins here recently, um, good statement wins. They've got a ton of talent on their football team uh, Butch Jones was no stranger to 
recruiting top 10, top 15 recruiting classes well, while he was there. Tennessee historically has come over to the Carolinas and robbed some good talent. Have they been doing that in the last couple of years? They did that last year, as a matter of fact. Uh, they have a former commitment, Bryce Thompson, who um, was a Dutch Fork player and was committed to South Carolina for a little while, um, decommitted from the program and wound up going to Tennessee, and he's he's their, one of their starting cornerbacks right now okay. as a true freshman. All right. Vanderbilt, what do you think of the doors in 2018? Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt. Um, you know, a lot of them, a lot of media kind of gave Vanderbilt uh, a shot. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of upperclassmen on offense. Kyle Shermer is a guy who's been their quarterback, and he does have talent. I think that what has plagued Vanderbilt is what has plagued them for years in the SEC, and it's just you don't have top to bottom all your starters on offense and all your starters on defense if you ask yourself the question, what other SEC teams would these guys start for? I don't think you can name a lot of them. And okay. it's just they have a they have a couple nice pieces, but just talent across the board just isn't where it's going to be for them to, to be successful. And I know it may be too soon, so forgive me, but the Florida Gators, your thoughts on what Dan Mullen's done in year one? You know, Dan Mullen's offense, I think, is – I think you saw this past Saturday when – one part of his offense isn't working. The powerful part of of what he does is it's easy to adapt and define ways to hurt defenses, and it's not it's not a, a square peg in a round hole for him offensively. It's gonna we can be a square peg or we can be a round peg, and we can go power run game if we need to, and still create mismatches mismatches if we think our guys are better than yours. And and that was definitely the case. I don't think Felipe Franks is gonna take them anywhere. I think that being a top 10 program um, is a little bit higher than where they probably need to be, in my opinion, overrated a little bit. Um, you saw South Carolina go up by 17 on them in the swamp a week before Missouri was able to put it on them. That doesn't sound like a top 15 team to me when you think about Missouri and South Carolina. So I think he will get them back to uh, a team that is a threat in the SEC, but currently um, – in year one, I, I just don't think – it's hard to say when South Carolina doesn't beat Florida. It's hard to say that they're overrated, but I think they're I, – I, I think that's fair to say. And it was several weeks back, but a 57-yard field goal in Williams-Brice Stadium in most cases would have been enough to be a game winner. But for the team from the other Columbia, the Missouri Tigers, they fell apart and let the Gamecocks get a last-second field goal and get a win. What's going on with Coach Odom's Missouri Tigers? Well, you know, they've got talent up front on their defensive line. They've got some good pieces there. They they always have a talented front four. I mean, it seems like ever since you think all the way back to Michael Sam and, and they're just putting defensive linemen in the draft, you know, they don't have highly ranked recruiting classes, but they always seem to find talent and and produce those into high caliber SEC defensive linemen. Drew Locke, this is you know his his last year. A lot of people, it was sort of the Jake Bentley thing. This is this a guy that can actually beat high level opponents? We, he sets records all over the place. He can make every throw. You know he's he's got you know the the sexy measurables when it comes to you know NFL Combine and things like that. But can he beat top level opponents on the road? And he hasn't been able to on a consistent basis. So that's been sort of his bugaboo, and, and that's sort of the thing with Jake Bentley too. But, you know, it'll be it, – the question for them is how are they going to rebound offensively next year? 
right, we're going to save Alabama. Anything you want to say about the SEC West minus the Tide? I, I, you know, I'm surprised. (laughs) I'm surprised as that that LSU has done as well as they have. Oh, you're going to say they're doing well. They are doing well. Okay. And I don't think a lot of people expected that. I think Orgeron doesn't get a lot of credit. I think he's more of a punchline, at least def- at right oh, at. Tigers. Yeah, imme- and he is a punchline um, <laughs> in in that sense. But in terms of him being able to lead the program, I think most LSU fans would tell you that they're pleasantly surprised, and I I think any college analyst out there would tell you that they probably didn't have a lot of confidence in Orgeron when he took over that program. And I think right now, I certainly didn't expect them to be right back where they were in such a quick turnaround and. Right back where they were basically just means they've only got one loss. The silver really. medalist in the SEC West year in and year out. I mean, their only loss really was to Florida because we can't hold Alabama's on a whole another level. Right, Unfor- unfortunately for right. The rest of the and SEC. I don't know if there's another team in college football like the LSU Tigers where they can. Gosh, I think it's been like seven years straight years that Alabama has beaten them, um, and they're still in the top ten or just outside of year in and year out. It's that's just their only kryptonite, and yep. it's got to be maddening as an LSU fan to just know that guy you just you are just one us. yeah you are just one step away mm-hmm. year in and year out. Well, you have other teams in the SEC West who are even further down the pecking order than the Bayou Bengals at this point, and the Gamecocks won't be facing any more. This the Gamecocks are done with SEC football right That's now. Correct. They what do they wind up in the SEC? They were uh, three four and, five? and four in the SEC. Four and four, okay. Yeah. Well, it could have been worse. Four and four SEC Gamecocks. Will get, the Gamecocks have Chattanooga this weekend, Clemson the following week, and then a rescheduled game. They're going to be filling in Akron in what should have been a Marshall game from earlier in the year that got rescheduled or canceled because of Hurricane Florence that came through the Carolinas back in September. All right, Alabama. Are, you see anybody giving them a run for the money for the national championship? I don't, and the only reason why I – two reasons why I say that. Alabama has one of the most impressive defensive lines in all of college football. Top five defensive lines year in and year out. That's not news. But I think what's really took people by surprise is uh, Tua Tagovailoa. I don't think I even said that Just call him Heisman. Yeah, uh, that's already wrapped up. And so they have not – it, n- go ahead and name me the last five Alabama quarterbacks. I, I don't think any non-Alabama or Auburn fan would be able to do that. And Alabama's just not known for their quarterback play. I mean, it, you can think of McElroy because he's on television, and McCarron and Hertz, right? But what about all of what about the three other guys in between them? And the layman's not going to know that, but everyone knows Tua. And, and Alabama is going to ride him until the wheels fall off. And I believe they're going to ride him straight to another national championship. And I will be watching him in person this weekend. There you go. You know who they're playing? Nope. They're playing the Citadel Bulldogs. Are they? Which we don't want to talk about that with you, Tyler. Nope. Bring back horrors from the 2015 I'm glad I didn't know who fans. they played. Yes, I'll be there in Tuscaloosa to see the biggest upset ever in college football, <laughs> even bigger than 2015 Citadel win over the game. Yeah, well, it, you all just go ahead and make that the second biggest okay. upset. You right? got it. Yeah. All right. Gamecock changes in the offseason. Anybody going NFL that you know for sure? Jake Bentley going to be back? I think any of these rising seniors – uh, Javon Kinlaw, Jake Bentley, any Brian Edwards, these guys, I think, 
right now where South Carolina is, I don't know what kind of favors you're doing yourself by going into the draft as a, as a junior. We know Debo's going to go. We know several pieces in the offensive line are going to go because they have to. Yeah. Um, but any of these rising juniors, I could see Javon Kinlaw possibly going because he's really only been the consistent, the most consistent top level performer in the defensive front seven for South Carolina. I mean, he draws double teams on nearly every play and still figures out a way to be effective. Um, and when you're not getting pressure consistently from anyone else, or you're not holding your running lane from anyone else, um, that's hard to do. Um, and so I can see him possibly testing the waters. I know these other guys are going to, you know, what, what do they call it? Turn in their paperwork or get their evaluations. But at this point, I just don't see, I I don't see, I don't see what damage you're going to do to yourself next year outside of injury by coming back. Any pro game cocks you want to brag on for a second? Nope. All right. (laughs) I know there's some doing good things. How about our captain Munderland? Captain Munlin's been getting a lot of playing time for Carolina, playing in the slot now that he's made his return to the Panthers. Alshon Jeffries had a resurgent season yeah, after you had it in. Yeah, after starting the year. Um, you still wish they had playing time in Columbia. That's though. right. After starting the year injured, he he's actually been uh, a welcome return to a sluggish Philadelphia offense. Clowney, you know, if you if you check the the NFL Twitter guys and a lot of the scouts on Twitter, and and you follow a lot of those film study guys. I mean, they'll throw Clowney's highlights up there, and, and he's not he's not wreaking havoc havoc every single play. But what what's garnering him the most respect is that offenses, much like when he was here, you have to know where he is every single snap, and you have to figure out what you're going to do with him every single snap. Because as soon as you don't, he's in your backfield, and he's he's wrecking your offense. Frank Martin's men's basketball team up and going now. Back to the Final Four this year? Nope. <laughs> what a buzz killer here. Nope, not after losing to Stony Brook uh, last week. Is that week right? They lost to Stony yeah. Brook? Are you kidding me? In their second game of the season, yes, yes, yes. Lost to Stony Brook uh, after sitting Chris Silva, you know, one of your all-SEC players for the majority of the second half. Just because, you know, and Frank mentioned this after the first game, which, which was a narrow against. victory over USC Upstate, ah, which smartest. his son actually plays for. Really? Um you know, sending messages to his team early, not seeing what he wants to in practice, um, and sitting guys for not coming to play and and not meeting the expectation, especially defensively. So a lot of so he's and he mentioned that after the first game, um, teaching through through the game. Now that now that practice is over, now that you're actually playing someone else, and since you haven't been listening to what I've been coaching you, and now you're seeing what well, your way is not working, right. you can take a seat on the bench, and, and we can figure this out with somebody else. And that cost them against Stony Brook. Um, so we'll see. And South Carolina's out-of-conference schedule this year is, is pretty tough. All right. Well, basketball's here, folks. And, of course, we still have plenty of college football left, too. Tyler Garrett, host of the Carolina Carolina, thank you for letting us storm into Columbia and talk a little Gamecocks with you. Absolutely, anytime. All right. Well, that will wrap up our Thursday Y'all Show. I want to thank Tyler. I want to thank Jim Waddell also. And all of you for tuning us in on great stations across the southeast. This is the Y'all Show with John Raw. We'll be back here tomorrow for our Friday Free for Y'all and a whole lot more to get you ready for the weekend. The Y'all Show. Talk with a southern accent. Been 
gonna tell you a story about how the drug war in Mexico began and who was boss. Only on Netflix. Miguel Felix Gallardo. Drug kingpin of Guadalajara. We take out Felix, we cripple the Mexican drug trade. Witness the birth of Mexico's drug war. We gotta take down the ones calling the shots. It's time to take the gloves off. Gallardo crosses the DEA for the last time tonight. Narcos Mexico, now streaming on Netflix. The wait is finally over. Dell's biggest Black Friday ever is on. Save up to 50% on Black Friday deals, plus get free shipping on everything. With massive deals on Dell computers with 8th Gen Intel Core processors, the hottest gaming gear, and savings on top brand electronics like Samsung TVs, it's the one sale of the year you don't want to miss. Just call 800 by dell or visit dell.com slash Black Friday. Quantities are limited. Call 800 by dell for more Black Friday deals. 